Blog Talk Radio. Hi, I'm author and publisher Tracy L. Slatten. It's my belief that the most interesting, creative, and original voices today are heard outside of the big corporations, studios, and galleries. Individuals of courage, inspiration, and vision are seizing the opportunities to create and promote their art themselves. I'm here to support them and to bring their stories to you. On this show, I'll interview independent artists of all kinds, unusual thinkers, and even some healers about their process. How do they do it? How do they start with an idea and bring it to life in the world? This show intends to illuminate the journey. Feel free to call in to 516-453-6052 with questions or live chat with me at blogtalkradio.com slash independent artist thinkers. Great to have you with us. This is Tracy L. Slatten, hosting Independent Artists and Thinkers. I am so happy to welcome you to the show. We've got a great show lined up for you today. I'm also very happy and very grateful that many people are listening to the show live and in the archives and in the iTunes podcast channel. So thanks for tuning in. I hope you're enjoying yourself. I created this show to support those brave souls who are operating outside the structures of the big established corporations. As the intro to the show says, I intend to illuminate the unusual journey and to bring it to you. I'm interested in alternatives to conventional thinking and conventional answers. I'm interested in creativity, fresh ideas, unusual perspectives, and originality. And this show aims to bring you models of people who embody those qualities. Please call in with questions or comments to 516-453-6052. You can also live chat me at blogtalkradio.com slash independentartistthinkers, and I'm on the chat now. Please email me in between shows if you'd like to suggest a guest or have me ask questions of a particular guest. You can reach me at tracy at tracylflatten.com, and that's Tracy spelled T-R-A-C-I. In the coming weeks, some great, fascinating guests are coming on. Next week, on Thursday, December 10th, author and creative producer Yvonne Lieblein will talk about merging words and music. Very cool. On Thursday, December 17th, actress and author Victoria Pratt will talk about wrangling the arts. You may know her from a whole slew of TV shows, and you can hear about her new book, too. So tune in and keep checking the Blog Talk Radio page, and the website, independentartistthinkers.com, to hear about who will be on the show. I am so delighted today to have author and psychic Mary T. Brown on to talk about karma, the rules of thought, afterlife, and her wonderful books. And you can find out more about Mary at marytbrown.com, and that's brown spelled B-R-O-W-N-E. Mary T. Brown is an internationally renowned psychic, prominent writer, noted lecturer, and ordained minister. She has been counseling people for over 30 years. Many of her clients refer to her as their psychic life coach. Her clientele includes CEOs of Fortune 500 companies, 
senior executives of financial institutions, prominent attorneys, renowned doctors, award-winning producers, actors, journalists, and personalities from television, radio, motion pictures, fashion, and music, as well as men and women from all walks of life. Many consult with her year after year. She is the author of Love in Action, Fireside Books 1990, uh, Simon & Schuster, Life After Death, The Power of Karma, and The Five Rules of Thought, How to Use the Power of Your Mind to Get What You Want. And I particularly recommend The Power of Karma and The Five Rules of Thought because I think those are great books and I've read them and they're just fabulous. Mary T. has been featured in magazines such as Forbes, Psychology Today, American Health, Worth, New York Magazine, Cosmopolitan, Elle, Mademoiselle, Manhattan Inc., as well as in the New York Times and many national and international newspapers. In addition to having appeared on The Willis Report, Larry King Live, Fox & Friends, Good Day New York, Good Morning America Now, CNN, CBS, and NBC, she has been a guest on over 400 radio shows. She was featured in Frank Perry's documentary, Across the Bridge. Paul Schrader based the psychic character in his film, Light Sleeper on Her. Mary T. has taught at the Omega Institute in Rhinebeck, New York, and the Philosophical Research Society in Los Angeles. She has lectured in Scotland, San Miguel, Mexico, New York City, and other major cities across the United States. Mary T. Brown lives in New York City, where her private practice is based. Mary, welcome. Thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you so much. I'm delighted to be here. I guess it's now 401 radio shows. There you go. (laughs) There you go. I like that number. Me too. So I'll start you off with a question I like to begin my shows with um, because it's sort of foundational, and that is tell us how you got started. How did you begin your journey? What has it taken for you to arrive at the place where you are currently? What training did you have? When did you know you were going to be involved in being a psychic and writing books? Was the metaphysical realm a major presence in your home when you were growing up? I know um, you've, you've been an actress also, what did you think you would be? So tell me about your childhood and the lead up till now. Well, wow. Um, I was born <laughs> with a psychic gift. I never in a million billion years thought I was going to grow up and be a professional psychic. Never crossed my mind. I never thought of that. I always uh, had psychic ability, and I was raised by my grandma Grace in Iowa, who's sister, my Aunt Mame, had a funeral parlor, and when I was seven years old, I was sent over to the funeral parlor to answer the phone, because Aunt Mame and Uncle Orland had errands to run, and it was before the wake started. I don't know how many of your listeners have been to a Catholic wake, where people come and view the body and everything before the funeral, so it's kind of a interesting place for a child to be, and I had my first uh, experience with seeing the spirit of a dead woman at my Aunt Mame's funeral parlor when I was alone, you know, waiting for the phone to ring, which didn't ring, and I got kind of restless, and I walked around, and I went to one room where there was a wake, and I saw this bouquet of flowers levitate, like really lift up, mm-hmm. you know, with no person visible, and thump down, and then I saw this very incredible kind of etheric woman, you know, a, a ghost uh, substance looks like a person, but it looks like you could put your hand through it, so it's not a physical, tangible, but it's very kind of a spirit, etheric uh, person standing by the coffin, and she waved her head and laughed and disappeared, laughed in a nice way, not in a mean way, mm-hmm. not a scary laugh, a lovely mm-hmm. laugh, and when I walked closer up to that coffin, it was the same woman in the coffin I had just seen standing by the coffin, and Wow. Um, I Mary, and- we might have a caller. Can I interrupt you just a minute? Sure. We'll come back. So let's see if sure. this is. Hello, caller? Hi. 
Um, I was I didn't know if I could ask questions. Uh, Mary T was doing a reading or just listen. Well, uh, go ahead. You can do. You can ask a question. Um, What's what's your name? uh, My name is Trish. Okay, Trish. And go ahead. Yeah, I mean, um, I kind of had a couple. It sounds like you have a couple books that I can look and get more detailed about how. Um, the power of thought and the other intuition, but I guess um, I had. I also ha- didn't know if I could ask a personal question um, as well. Go ahead. Um, I am, you know, wondering if I am going to uh, reconnect with someone from my past because I have a lot going on in 2016, and I want to make the best right cho- the choices. Uh, for 2016. Okay, so we're right before the new year, Trish, which is a really good time to really, you know, sit, focus, and think about, you know, what do I really want in my life in 2016, and what can I do that I haven't done that's going to create greater harmony? Um, Sometimes the past is not resolved, so we have to go back and look at it in order to see if it's going to become our future, if it's really just the past, and it's something we have to learn. Um, is this somebody that you reconnected with twice already? Um, we broke up in July. And then, and then came back a bit? Um, I wouldn't say we came back. We talked a lot. Okay, so how were you with him for more than a year? No. Because it feels very kind of um, like karma, which, you know, I don't like to use karma as an excuse, but sometimes a person seems far more familiar to us in a very short period of time than somebody does after 10 years. There's a very intense connection that's not only sexual or magnetic, which sometimes makes us think it's love when it's really attraction. I think that there's a karmic bond with this person that has you more interested than you would be if that were not at play. I think, yes, you will reconnect with them in a relationship, but I just have to tell you, it doesn't feel like marriage. It doesn't feel like the one. It doesn't feel like it's going to make you happy. It doesn't feel over, because if there's still something the soul has to attach or find out about, it'll be brought back. You have to um, make make that happen, and and you really should, because you need to balance this situation out. It's not going to cause you despair or depression it's going to have you move forward because july 2016 comes up psychically as a time when you're really going to meet the person you're going to be with Sorry. well it's interesting you say that because the lack of closure has caused me a lot of stress and a lot yeah and so and you've got to I, get it I, and, and and closure is sometimes really closure closure isn't oh i'm not closed because i'm back together it's like closure on your soul, you know, where you 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 feel like this is enough. And there's still a great attraction between the two of you, so that can be unsettling, but you've got to make the steps to you know to you know get back around this person so that you can resolve it and then move on. And it's it may take some months, but it's not going to cause you to be miserable and despairing but if you don't get the closure you're going to just waste your time trying to get it and it's going to get your way so you have so to go get it your five rules of thought uh-huh. so 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 give me an, so what i was wondering was is there 
one of your because right now I, I'm tending to think of this in a very negative manner. Meaning trying, negative, like he hurt me. Um, I didn't get what I want. What do you think in negative? Meaning, um, I didn't get closure out of the ball. Yeah, well, that, that, does that have to be negative? I didn't get closure is a statement of fact. So I would use the five rules of thought, which the first one is you have to know what you want. You want closure. Sometimes closure in a relationship is marriage. Oh, I closed the deal. Sometimes closure is I really don't want this person, right? You want the opportunity to resolve this relationship. So that's a definite uh, rule of thought. You have to know what you want. You want closure, whether it's together or apart, but I want it. I want to understand why I, I I waste my time on people that don't give me harmony. That you have to think about after the five, you know, after you see it done. You have to have faith that you can resolve this, and you have to, um, you know, when one you you have to not vacillate. I want closure. I want this thing resolved one way or the other. That's a very positive step, and and then you have to. You know, give it up to your higher self, Trish, because life is too short and too special and you have too many things going to waste too much time on people that are not there for you because you deserve better. But let's give this one more try to see if we can resolve it in harmony and and move on to 2016 with with the happiness you should have. But that may take till July, which is not really that long. Right. Well, you you mentioned that you see the opportunity for uh, yes, at least but you have to go it. get it. I see it if you for if you if you you know go get it. Like if you just sit around waiting for this person to reconnect and blah blah blah. No, no. You have to like set up a deal, set up a meeting, uh, you know, run into them, connect with a friend. You have to you know with without being somebody who you say, oh, I never do that. You you deserve to have this situation. Uh, talked out and and be together and you have to be very strong and firm and and make that happen. I don't think it's all that hard. Okay. But you know you're wonderful and um, you know sometimes you know we have to. Jesus would say, "Forgive them, Father. They know not what they do." I think this man is a little more undeveloped than he is evil or mean. I just think he's kind of childish, and that's boring. Really yeah. boring, and you're not boring, honey. <laughs> okay, well, I will go read. Happy read, New Year! Read. Just yeah, really, I think it'll help you, and um, because you just need to learn how to focus your thoughts to bring into your life the your the things that you want with the least amount of trouble. And well, I think that's the reason for the five rules. I, well, I Trish, will ask you. I, I, thank well, I just you had for one calling. more question when you said. You know, give it up. You know, let give it up to whomever. Well, to your higher self. We have the lower self, which is me, 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 me. I want, I want, I want. We have a higher self, the side of ourself that somebody who has an addiction to alcohol and finally connects to the higher power tells you, "My God, all of a sudden I was able to quit. What happened? What happened?" Well, you 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 touch the divine. You touch the higher power. It's part of the God force within us that knows more than we know when we're operating in our desire bodies, the human body and our souls and our 
karma and our character desperately want to love and be loved. We want success with our work. We want, you know, food and music and dancing. And those are that's why we have a physical body. But nothing matters if the soul is not nourished, if if our spirit is not allowed to, you know, live in harmony. So the higher self, the God force within, that's the part of us that's in harmony. That's a part of us that can make decisions that seem impossible. That's the part of a mother who can lift a car up when her child's foot is stuck under it, who doesn't have the possible physical weight to do that. There's a higher self. Something comes within us. And that part of us, if you ask, if you, it's the part where people pray for help and support and guidance. That's the part of us that clicks in and gives us strengths we didn't even know we had. Okay. And that's what you can achieve by learning how to control your thought. And I don't mean thought control, like control in a religious, you know, control means harmony. It doesn't mean discipline and unhappiness. It means that we waste our thought. Thought is the most powerful force in life. It is energy. It is everything. Everything is conceived in thought before it is brought into this world. So as we learn to be able to use our thought for the good things instead of having our thoughts use us, wow, you have no idea what you can achieve. It's really remarkable. And it's fun. Okay? Happy, happy New Year. You too. Thanks for calling in, Trish. Thanks. Bye. Mary? Yeah. Thanks for that wonderful answer. I thought there was a lot of points I was going to bring up later, but I think she got you to really start speaking about the rules of thought and karma. But I want to kind of go back to your personal story. Well, you had you had talked about seeing this spirit. Well, I, yeah. Go ahead. I didn't, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. Yeah, I mean, that was my first tangible, physical story that I can relate, you know, where you say, well, how did you know? How did you know? And, I mean, other little things come back to me from when I was, like, five. But after that incident of my Aunt Mame's, I, I ran home. I didn't tell my Aunt Mame because she wouldn't have understood. But I told my Grandma Grace about the ghost, and I saw the spirit, and da-da-da. And I was all, you know, telling, telling, telling. And she said, you have a gift. Don't brag about it. Don't scare people with it. It's okay. You can tell me. You can tell your sister, but some people won't understand. And Grandma had a way. She had this Iowa saying. She'd say, "And don't make any bones about it." You know. So she uh-huh. always say. And I thought, oh, okay. Well, I'm, that's fine. You know. And for a child at seven to really not be distressed, but to be just fine about it, I think that's probably was a roadmap for my future where I was working with my psychic gifts in a professional manner and writing the books and seeing the clients and helping the Trishes of the world. I mean, you can't just wake up with that if you have some kind of paranoia about the gift. So I always felt Mm -hmm. it was a gift. It was a wonderful gift. Um, Most of my gift has nothing to do with seeing spirits. That's just a tangible story to share with you and your listeners. I was also able like to find things that people had lost and, and, I remember somebody lost their keys, and I said, oh, well, they're in your basement behind these jars of tomatoes or whatever. And then Grandma looked at me, and I went, oh, I'm, that sounds like I might scare them, 
right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I remember. So I was very like not arrogant or or like a uh, big deal about it, but I was always conscious of not um scaring people or, you know, saying, "Oh, I know the end of the movie, just forget it. This is what it is," you know. So I didn't do things mm-hmm. like that. And then I was always psychic. I always helped people. It always is in my soul. I was always totally comfortable and interested in in very positive medical metaphysical things. I was certainly never interested in the witchy stuff, you know, like please. I just wasn't I mean, I certainly was aware these things go on, but that was not in my nature. And I graduated from the University of Iowa. I moved to New York. I was a singer and an actress. I sang in nightclubs. I sang in studios doing commercial work. I started with Stella Adler and the greats and and Bill Hickey and did a lot of stuff. But I always was doing the psychic things, and I used to be at auditions sometimes, and there'd be 30, 40 people sitting there forever waiting for our turn to get an audition, and inevitably somebody would be sitting next to me, and I would say something psychic, and you know, uh, theatrical people are the most open-minded people about metaphysical things, and they're totally interested, and honestly, Tracy, without even trying, it was weird. I started having this private practice. It was as if, you know... I was just led to it. I mean, it just happened. I mean, you're in your dharma. Yeah, and so you're doing what you're supposed to be doing. Yeah, but it's been like for thirty, thirty-five years almost now. I've been nonstop busy with the work, and the the books came as a way to help people that couldn't see me privately, and because I felt I had some things to say that I thought might help people, that was my motivation. And that continues to be my motivation. But I was born with the gift. It gets clearer the more you work at it. You you know, anything like mm-hmm. I'm sure a sculptor, as you would know, it gets clearer, easier to to make something. And the more you do it, the more you, you find out what tools work the best, the ideas come, and then how do you physically manifest those ideas. So I really think I've had just an incredible gifted life and I've worked hard to save and preserve the gift and to keep it on a level that I think is helpful and spiritual I do the best I can but I was kind of led to it I think because it was what I was supposed to do right uh, we ha- I think we have another caller okay hold on let's see caller hello hello Hello, caller? I guess not. Well, okay. maybe they'll come back. Sometimes maybe that they'll happens. come back. Sure. Um, I had read an online article about you on Forbes.com, and the article oh. was titled Wall Street Psychic Advisor. And the oh. writer said, I felt ter- terrific after talking to her, focused and optimistic, and also said, Brown becomes an object that her clients can use to focus their minds. And yet this goes along with what my experience was with you and why I brought my daughter to see you, because I found that you kind of held up this mirror for me about the best person I could do and the best I could achieve if I worked with myself. And it wasn't like a traditional reading. It was more like, here's your options, here's the possibility, how are you going to get there from here? And like I would leave your, you know, your apartment just feeling really good about myself and my life. So how do you do that? And how well, do you I, help you? Go ahead. I, I, I'm 
probably starting to say that not everybody always leaves happy only because some people come and they really, really, um, you know, I have to tell them I see them getting fired from their job. And I think that, you know, nobody wants to hear that, but it does maybe protect somebody to start looking for a new one. Um, because I live in Manhattan in New York City and between here and Connecticut, it's just the odds that I would have a lot of Wall Street clients is not that hard. This is the center of the financial uh, world that we live in. I always laugh when uh, sometimes I'm referred to as Wall Street psychic because I want to make it clear that I am not responsible for what these people did during the financial crisis. Or it's just not my, you know, it's, okay, I did not advise any of that. Huh? <laughs> no, I but I'm just saying. You. Yeah, you know, and I don't sit here with my Wall Streeters coming in and telling them what stocks to buy. That's up to them. But but Wall Street clients have problems with their kids and their family and their relationships and their jobs and everything just like the rest of us, right? And if if they do come for an appointment and I do see a financial collapse coming, of course I mention it. But I am um, everybody, you know, doesn't um, you know, always hear what they want to hear. I just see what I see and um possibly at the times because, you know, I saw you as a really really gifted writer and I saw the work that, you know, you were doing at different uh, periods of your life and, you know, the complexity of relationships with kids that any parent will know is, you know, beyond a psychic. You know, you need, I guess, Merlin the Magician to handle most of those. But um, I think that we do have, uh, you know, karma gives us different choices. If you go one road, you're going to have a lot of car trouble. And if you drive the other way, it's going to be smooth sailing. We have to choose which is the best road to the destination. And yes, yeah, sometimes, um, you know, it's very clear that something's going to happen. And uh, I tell people and then they're like, oh, my God, it happened. Well, hopefully, if you go to a psychic, something I say is going to happen, because that's the point of the reading, be it good news or bad news. I see the aura of a person. I often see, um, you know, things that uh, are in the way impediments, Tracy, that might Keep people from their goal. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe. Are, they, are the impediments necessarily karmic? I mean, talk about karma and what your perception of karma is, and how do we wrangle karma? Yeah, that's a good one. Um, I think that karma literally means action, and it's the universal law of cause and effect. You get what you earn. You are what you eat. What goes around comes around. Karma has no deadline. But everything is karma, so every good thing we do creates good karma. Karma isn't only the past. I think there's a confusion some people have thinking, oh, I'll never get the right guy. It's my karma. No, no, no. It might be your choices that you keep making that sustains the karma to not be a happy feeling, but it doesn't mean that you you cannot break a pattern thus changing your karma. You have to uh, balance out any karma from past lives. That's just the law of the universe. So there are things that happen to us, like a wonderful book someone wrote, Why Do Bad Things Happen to Good People? I mean, of course, mm-hmm. that everybody wonders, why is this the nicest person on earth have cancer? Why does this baby have cancer? I mean, these are just just mind-boggling things that we all have to deal with, and Often they do have a past life root that must be balanced out in this life. So karma 
is everything. The way I close the door is karma. The way I speak to the postman is karma. The way I treat a dog is karma. The way that I, you know, am aware of somebody else's needs are karma. Um, you know, we all should be much more self evolved and much more interested in the effect we have on others. And I think that karma is something that does come in from past lives, but it is also something that we in this life look at and shift it and balance it. Many of our, as I was telling Trish, who called in, her relationship even though it was a short term so far, feels very like karmic, past life, something a little more than just, oh, I liked him, I met him, he's cute, whatever. It was more than that. So this has to be visited so we could maybe get to the root of it. Uh, people in our lives that we've known for more than six months, I believe we've known before. Mm-hmm. And that's your kids, your husbands, your ex-husbands, the neighbor that's nice or not nice or won't stop playing the piano. There's, you know, there's all kinds of karmic things. So, karma is the universal law of cause and effect. So, for every cause, there's an equal effect. If you slap someone, you'll get slapped. You won't get shot. Mm. If you kill someone, at some point, you you will be killed. So it's equally. So sometimes you think, or people when they're depressed think. It's not fair. It's not fair. I always have bad karma. And, you know, there's no all good or all bad. But karma is everything we do creates karma because it's action. If somebody's drowning and you and I are walking by, Tracy, if we can save them, we jump in and get them. If it's an undertow and we can't, right, because we know we can't make it, we can't, we can't, that there's no karmic reason for three people to die trying to save one that we know we cannot save. Mm-hmm. So somebody's karma might be to get their clothes wet and we have to pull them out. Somebody's karma, you know, may be uh, to have to use discernment as to how we enter a situation or not. But it's a really wonderful law. I mean, a lot of good karma too, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, lots of good stuff, but we yeah, have to we have to learn to break bad habits, and that's why they're called bad habits. Nobody ever said, "Oh, let's break our good habits on New Year's." We don't <laughs> break. We only get rid of the bad habits because they harm us. So, what's the relationship with ha- between habits and karma? Well, meaning that sometimes you have a bad habit of eating chocolate cake all night after 6 o'clock. And then you think it's your karma to never have your body look the way you want it to. And if you could break that habit, that particular habit that causes you to be unhappy with how you look, by breaking that habit and finding another way to spend those hours in the evening, you will change your body feeling and you'll probably change the karma of how you feel about yourself. That's a simplistic answer, but I... I think it's just kind of practical one. Mm-hmm. Um, if you smoke cigarettes, which is a really hard habit to break, you will probably, I guess, in New York get arrested because it's very hard to smoke anywhere here, but uh, not, you know, it's like everything's smoke-free. But it does often uh, play havoc on your physical body. So so you may, because of that habit, 
create the bad karma of cancer or emphysema or lung problems. And if you were able to break that bad habit because it's not good for you, it's a difficult one to break, you would change the karma and have a healthier life. So Mm. those are just examples. I mean, bad and good. I mean, a bad habit is always being negative. And people often don't know they are being. You know, the sky's blue, but it's not blue enough. You've met them. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, I, I, well, I like him, but, you know, I don't trust him. Or you know, just, just, just never, never, never happy. But so that's a bad habit as well because it's, it's, it's not examining your life. So taking the effort to change how you're habituated emotionally or how you're habituated in the world will actually change your karma. Yeah, it'll change your life, which changes your karma. And every small thing adds up to a big thing because it adds up to a life. And life is a series of breaking bad habits. Again, we never say breaking the good one. And it's not just habits, but when when you, I try to express in five rules of thought that people have really, really bad thought habits and they don't even know it. They know if they smoke cigarettes, they're aware that's a habit. And many people really want to quit, and it's really, really difficult to quit. So I'm not trying to criticize people for that. I I just think that it's better if you can find the way away from that because it makes you unhappy, it's expensive, it's very, very bad for your health and other people's, we've learned. But, you know, that's something that individuals have to look at. But, you know, we have bad thinking habits Again, I'm not going to make it. I'll never get what I want. Oh, yeah, well, um, I'm fat. I'm I'm miserable. Um, what, What about me? Where those thoughts do nothing but create destructive patterns in our life. And I'm not trying to say let's all be sparkle, plenty, happy, la, la people because that's ridiculous and not rational mm-hmm. because life has problems. Right, every day yeah. is not you know every day is not uh, Doris Day. Uh, it's like singing songs. It's like life has a lot of stuff, but we really can choose how we think about it. We really can, and then not that we're all saints or Mahatmas. My gosh, we're not. But our thoughts create our life. Our thoughts are the uh, you know, they have first their vibration and then they create a picture. And it's so fast that you have to dissect it. Uh, you know, a painting is an image projected in the mind onto this, onto the painting, onto the, to the, the picture. A mm-hmm. book, as you write, starts out with a thought, and my gosh, then it gets into a sentence, then it gets into a paragraph, then it gets into a book. I mean, this is like incredible thought process that is then manifested on the page. And that's no small thing, but you know from your work, it's taken. You love doing it. So that's a perk. That's great. Mm-hmm. When you love to write, most writers will say, I hate to write. I don't know why they do it if it's so awful, but it does. It's hard. You know, it's hard. It's, it's hard. Yeah. Well, you anybody... No, it's hard to, you know, facing the blank yeah. page. You know. Absolutely. And, and but if it's in your soul to get the word out, you'll find the way to face a blank page, which is usually discipline and more than just creative force. It's usually the habit of writing. It's usually getting into a habit. Mm-hmm. Um, Somerset Maugham always wrote, 
every single day, just in the morning, four hours a day, but nothing made him break the habit. And obviously he was extremely prolific um, with book after book after book. And he was also mm-hmm. talented and a great craftsman, but he, he, he found his habit. Everybody's different. Some people would find from 10 at night till 1 in the morning being their time because of other things in their life. So um, I think that we karma is something that you have to look at and say, my God, what was the karma of this situation? And we have to like observe it and look at it and see what parts brought this together. But we can always change the karma in our life in a moment's notice by really taking actions that produce harmony and not, you know, it's like, being on a treadmill over and over and over, right? Never getting out of your unhappiness because you just think life has been not fair to you. Well, how do you and, counsel people to get out of despair? Because sometimes oh, well, you know, first feel of despair. all, right. First of all, I'm not a psychiatrist, and many times people need to find it. You know, depending sometimes. You know, depression, and I'm not judging that, is not just able to wake up and think right, and I'm not. So, you know, I don't want anyone to think that I don't have absolute understanding that there are situations that we reach out to get necessary help. And, you know, if it's um, a, a severe depression, you need to speak to a doctor, a therapist, a professional that helps you get the tools to take the steps to be able to to deal with that. And so, again, I'm not just like, oh, just think positive and everything will be fine because that's not right nor is it fair. But a positive thought, if you're really despairing, is to reach out for help that's available or the people who love you should also use their positive thought to notice somebody's in terrible despair, right? I mean, we have to be aware that some people might be in despair or really depressed where they're just not able to help themselves. And then, you know, that's why friends and family and neighbors and people are there. So you may need to... um, you know, find out that you have severe uh, low blood sugar. You didn't know. You didn't know, but you had a blood test, and you found out, wow, if I eat protein, I'm not so depressed. That's a wonderful resolution of taking yeah. action. Um, I'm, I might need, uh, a doctor might need to give me some medication because the situation has gotten to the point where my nervous system can't handle it. So there's tools for that. So I go to somebody who understands this, and then gave me the help, and my gosh, wow, I feel so much better. So those are all positive thought. I don't just mean, oh, I'm happy today, because you, you don't want to be fake, but if you can turn something from negative to positive, yeah, it helps. It helps. Mm-hmm. And if you're so despairing, you've lost somebody you love, um, your your children, you know, parents, uh, their kids are going through terrible things, of course, you're not going to be just tap dancing on Broadway. But you have to use what God has given us, the divine force gives us the the power of our minds and the power to choose ways to find help. And when you feel that you're at the dark night of the soul and there is no help, you have to go within to God. You must and and try to then go within and, and trigger into the God force that will guide us when we're in the in despair. So but again, you... we all have to be aware of the feelings of others, and sometimes people need our help—not our interference, but our help. 
Mm-hmm. And what are some of your experiences that you've had in your life with the God force or the divine within? Oh, I've had um, someone I've lived with for 15 years die a terrible death of cancer. It was very, very stressful. Mm-hmm. It was, you know, it, watching somebody go through that, um, it's heartbreaking and you need help. I need I needed God force support. I've just gone through since August this ridiculous foot problem that is not cleared up, not cleared up. I've never uh-huh. had a physical problem. I've been in terrible pain. I finally had surgery October 9th. It's on the mend. But I, I was, I'm was i a person who works out six days a week, and I'm in really great shape. The doctor wouldn't even let me take a walk since August 14th. So that put me, I'm certainly not complaining because many people have worse issues. But I have to say, some days I wasn't tap dancing over that one, Tracy. But yeah, I'm I, sure. But I did find the doctor who's fantastic. I call him Dr. Magic. And finally, and it was it was all caused by a shoe that rubbed on the tendon that caused a blister that caused a wound that wouldn't heal, which is, you know, you think, what? doesn't even make sense. But it went on and on. So I learned a great deal about patience and, um, you know, yeah, patience, I think, more than anything. Um, and. <laughs> That things will heal, but you have to, like, do what you have to do. And now I'm back to being able to go to the gym and take a walk and, you know, really grateful for that. I mean, I remember after the surgery going, I just want to take a walk. I just want to take a walk. Oh, it simple. Yeah. But I did. But I'm not, you know, so I'll use those as a few examples. I mean, I've had, you know, sadness with and, and just the world problems, I mean, uh, that, have affected all of us, I take very deeply. Mm. I'm very much into the world at large, but, I mean, I think we've all, my gosh, those are just a few examples, but, um, you know, they were they t- they test men's souls to a certain level, I think. Mm-hmm. I think physically, I did realize, too, because I'd never had, and thank God, knock on wood, a physical problem of any kind, and this is a resolvable one, so thank you. But, I mean, I really understood a lot about physical pain and what it is for people to really feel that. It's made me more sensitive. I think you can be sensitive to people's pain, but unless you've really had pain, you don't quite get it. Mm-hmm. And, I, I, and, you know, I'm like, wow, I, I get it even more than I thought I got it, having felt it. Mm-hmm. And, I'm, and I'm very sensitive to it because, like, I'd never had a migraine headache or any of those kind of things ever and I was always hopefully being sensitive to it, but once you have a lot of pain, you you realize what people go through, and it makes yeah. you even more interested in that, you know. And I think we we underestimate that if we do have our physical energy, we certainly can fight the emotional better. Mm. Certainly, right? And and yes. that you know, gift health is a gift, and many people were not born. You know, with a basic healthy nature, they've been have many problems, and you know, you just have to take your hat off to how people have handled it, right? Yeah. Because it yeah. takes a grace and 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 discernment and love and harmony in order to deal with what we have to deal with. Having continuous pain and trying to live harmoniously is it's a serious challenge. It was, um, you know, uh, it. It, yeah, and uh, yeah, I try because I'm, you know, Irish. We do try to use a sense of humor, you know, like, well, I can't put 
my feet forward, but maybe I can put a foot forward. You know, you try yeah. to, you have to try to see humor, and and really, you have to take pain medicine. There's nothing wrong with pain medicine if you have pain. I'm totally a proponent, right? So that mm-hmm. helped, right, to get rid of, over the surgery. Um, and so that was something that can be offered to you to help. And then you have to, like, put your foot up and ice it and try to read a book or watch a movie or have a conversation and just kind of listen to music or do whatever you can. But it, it's harder to stay in harmony when you're in pain, but um, it's certainly not impossible. And what are some of the major challenges you faced in your work this far, thus far, and what are some of the rewards and what are the best tools you've ha- you've found to help you on your path? Well, I think sometimes I've had uh, clients that were really challenging, and you just kind of feel like you really have not been able to help them enough, and no ego, I hope, involved with that statement. I just mean I really care. And some people, no matter if a psychiatrist, a psychic, a, a mystic, whatever, and they just they just don't seem to feel much better. It's kind of challenging because you just want to help. You just want to do what you can do. Um, I think that I'm writing a new book now, which I find very challenging because I think the pain of the foot and everything certainly interfered with my concentration and Mm -hmm. being able to put my thoughts down. This has been, I think this has been my most challenging book so far. But then maybe, I don't know, Tracy, maybe we say that with everyone when we're finished. That was the most challenging, and then we forget. Right. But oh, wait, I, I think find... we've got a caller. Hold on, let's okay. see. Hello, caller? Okay, so challenges, you're writing the most challenging book yet. Can I ask what it's about? It's about messages from the afterlife. Oh, and cool. uh, it's another book about the afterlife and not about this life as much as that one and why people communicate and what they have to say and, um, you know, why they come sometimes at a certain period of history and how that communication takes place and, you know, wh- how we should handle it and uh, sort of an explanation of that and um, some pretty Do you get a lot of mediumistic messages? Yeah, I do. But I don't focus my work. I always say there's no such thing as a happy medium. Um, I think I do. I mean, really think about it, right? And I mean, like, everybody, I I don't know, sometimes I think people want to talk to the dead because they don't have living people that want to talk to them. I don't know. But first of all, I never fabricate the people, the departed souls, if they want to get a message through, I certainly, if it comes to me, do not negate that or refuse to give that uh, certainly but i don't like try to do that i that's not the major focus of my work i'm much more in the here and now than the hereafter but yes i mean i've had extensive communications from the spirit world and shared those with clients and people and myself and i'm writing about them and of course i believe totally in an afterlife and that we don't die, we change form. Thoughts don't die. People are the same people when they pass that they were in the physical world, except if you died of cancer or something, you do not have a sick body because you release the physical, you release any of those illnesses. If you passed with Alzheimer's, you release the Alzheimer's and you'll see that the spirit is a person who's in a one of the better states of their life. So that's the happy part of of getting rid of the physical uh, 
maladies or problems, you release those when the physical body dies. Death is like taking off a glove. The glove is the body. If you lose a glove, you don't say, oh, I found a glove. Where's the hand? You say, I lost a glove, you know. So death is, to me, um, has always been uh, just what happens to all of us and what happens to the trees and the flowers and the birds. And I've never, ever uh, had those fears that people have. I want to live in physical harmony and to the best of my ability and so that I you know you know create good karma i hope and leave the world maybe a little better than before i was born but um I'm then sure you, you go in that. i hope i mean i hope we all do right i mean you yeah. just want to hope you made a difference or help some people or laughed a lot you know cuz i do i don't live in the spirit world i live in the physical world but i'm very very aware of the spirit world that's around us and that is, you know, is, is is paramount to understanding that life and death are important and that we create karma. We take it to the other side, the spirit world. We reincarnate with the karma we've created, with what we've learned, and then we continue. I mean, a person who's a great sculptor like your husband is ne- not a person who's never done art before. You don't just come in one life and do that. You don't just come in like you do and just write. What- this has been a series of lives. I'm sure Jane Austen, I don't know how many lives this lady had when she produced these incredible novels in such so few years, right? And this mm-hmm. living in sort of England in nowhere land. But this was, you know, very karmic, and and then she left us with these fantastic words. Uh, those are just examples of the talent. But it takes many, many lives to make greatness in the arts, and that's why people must not despair, and they must like when they're artists and they they have their soul wants to, you know, share with the world their messages. You have to stay in it. You have to stay focused. You have to not despair because it it is not just one life that you're going to be able to do everything that your that your mind can see my husband I mean, and i were we were traveling once and i saw a sculpture not of a person but i looked at it in this knowing came over my whole body, and I said to Sabin, you made that in another life in a much earlier life so you made that i know you did was he in italy Yes, we are. We were. Yeah, because we I think Venice. so. Absolutely, absolutely. And, and and did he feel it, or just he just shook his head like they do sometimes with us and go, okay, you know? But <laughs> he, no, you he, knew it. Well, he Sabin has become much more open minded to metaphysical things from 15 years of living with me. And well, yeah, you know, I hard don't, to, I don't yeah. have your kind of talent, but I do have some, you know, kind of high sense perception. Of course, you do. But so he's learned to kind of trust when I say things. And he said to me, I've always loved that piece. I've always loved that. I, I Well, understand. yeah, because it was his. Right. But it was their vibration. You know, psychometry is when you hold something in your hand, a psychic, and you feel the vibrations of it, and you can often pick up very, very strong images of who owned it, where it had been. That's why it's real hard for me to wear any antique jewelry, because I like I'll I'll put on a ring and 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 I'll uh, say to my beloved I said to him um I can't wear that and he goes oh my gosh who do you think had it and I'll have some kind of image of it so it's real hard for me to like I don't like and I don't like antique clothes I love the look 
I love the flapper and everything like that. I like the way they look. But I, I'm very, it's just very much the, the, the aura of the people that wore it stay on things. So mm-hmm. when you saw that sculptor, sculpture in Italy and you knew it, did you touch it? Were you able to? Or no. was it under glass? Yeah. Because if you had felt it, you probably would have gotten the whole images. You know, yeah. we can't always go into the uh, Italy or the Vatican and, you know, reach over. That's not acceptable. But they, they, they do like hold that. a magnetic <laughs> force. Wouldn't that? Yeah, that would be great, huh? I think we'd be picking up a lot in the Vatican, wouldn't we? Um, but uh, all kinds of things. But, yes, things do vibrate. They hold magnetism of the person who wore them. When you break up with somebody, you usually want to get rid of their stuff. It mm-hmm. it just reminds us, you know. Marquez, mm-hmm. in his fantastic book, Love in the Time of Cholera, said, when people die, they should take their things with them. And mm-hmm. I thought, my God, how brilliant is that? Because it makes you sad, meaning like... You know, it was just, of course, only he could say that in that way. But it's like, yeah, yeah, because you look around and things, and sometimes they give you comfort, but sometimes you really have to pack them up and give them away. And if their suits are clothes and someone can use them, you want to share that. But, you know, mm-hmm. things um, have different vibrations. If you get divorced, don't you often, I think, people, like, want to get rid of stuff. <laughs> I think. Yeah. If I, I, you know, I think that's probably it, you know. Like, I, I've had one client who can't go to any restaurant in Manhattan because she had a fight with her husband in every single one of them. And every time she walks in, she just remembers the fights. I thought, well, I guess she'll have to drive out of town for dinner. But right. uh, so because it, re- it has the vibration. It holds the thought, right? Thoughts, uh, you can have a thought form that stays in your aura and it, it's, and I call them a hanging thought form, and they can cause us a lot of trouble. So how do like, people clear those? How do people clear You have to be aware of it. Of you have to be aware of it, and you have to use the power of your will to ameliorate it and replace it with a different thought that is positive, productive, kind. You have to fight that. So it's it takes the most incredible mental discipline known on earth to really really learn how to focus your thought and i tell you it's the most powerful thing on earth and again i'm not trying to just sell books i just don't have time to explain the whole thing and i talk about it in five rolls of thought and i still have more to say about it because thought is the most interesting thing on earth to me i was always obsessed with thought as a child, every time I would think something really strongly, it would show up. If I would think, oh, my gosh, I have to get a new book appointment book, I would walk outside and I would find it on the street, and it would be covered in plastic. It wouldn't be like a dirty one. It would be like a new one. And I, I started observing that was always when I thought in a certain kind of force, I was like, wow, I don't know if that's a good thing. I might be getting things that are that are not mine in a way. I remember once getting in a taxi cab and I hadn't had time to go to the bank. Oh, and I thought, oh, I need this cash and maybe I'll get the cab to stop at a cash machine or something. And I looked on the floor and there was $80 on the floor. Oh and I thought, gosh. oh, my gosh, I hope nobody lost this so that I could get it because I really was going to go to the bank. So... Um, you know, it's, 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 I don't know how to explain it exactly, but it, those things happen with a certain magnetic force 
that I'm not even trying to get them, but it's like my mind is so visual and so geared that I can bring things in that fast. If I'm sometimes writing Christmas cards or even Thanksgiving cards to somebody, they'll call. And I'm just Mm -hmm. writing the card out because I'm thinking about them so much, and I really am thinking about everybody because I'm still like, you know, Benjamin Franklin, I send handwritten notes. What I love thought. your but, notes and cards. Well, They're wonderful. Just, yeah, but I love to remember people. Well, we so, have about four minutes left, so I'd like to ask you a couple things. Sure. Where, where do you see your work in five years, ten years, twenty years, and who inspires you? I I am inspired by uh, the great masters, by by the great teachers, by sort of mystical people. I'm inspired by um, my desire to be of service. I see myself doing uh, much the same, but I I think I may get more involved with television. I've been asked to, not not a show myself, or I don't intend to psychic circus perform. Uh, I just don't find that that happy for me. I I'm love to talk about thought or my books, and I'm absolutely happy to answer a question or help people, but I believe that I might be working on producing some things in the future. I shall probably write more and maybe work privately less, but I still just love my private clients because I love them. I love to see people. I get my inspiration from people, and I may lecture more. But I think, you know, in five years we'll maybe be talking about another couple books I got done and and how they maybe help people. And uh, Yeah, make sure you come back on when you're releasing oh, of course. Book, your work. Please come back on the show to talk I'll about it. I'll be happy to. I'll be happy to. But I, I guess that's what I see. I think you'll still be able to reach me um, at my New York phone number. I'm the only person who's had the same phone number in the phone book for <laughs> 35 years, right? And people go, oh, uh-huh. you're in the phone book. I'm like, yeah, so is Walter Cronkite. Some people have a published phone number if they have a business. <laughs> mm-hmm. Right? We all have unlisted, but we have published. So people can find you at marytbrown.com, and does that website have your contact information? Uh, I How can think people it, contact it, you? I think that, or they can contact me at my New York phone number, which is 212 242 6080 but they can just go to marytbrown.com and find me. Um it's pretty easy but brown with an e if they forget they can just get it out of directory assistance in New York. That's so cool. Mary, thank you so much for being on. You are so welcome and happy happy holidays to you and to all your listeners. Oh, thank you. Happy holidays to you. And so we'll talk to you soon, you know, let me know when your book is coming out. I certainly will, okay? Okay, bye, Mary. Bye. So, listeners, that was the amazing, wonderful, and truly inimitable Mary T. Brown, and I hope you enjoyed hearing her. Um, And I'm so grateful to Mary for being on the show. So to everyone who's listening, thanks so much for joining us, and please come back next week at our regular time, Thursday at 1. Um, And we will, next week is Yvonne Liebline talking about words and, and music together. So next week, till then, bye-bye. This has been Tracy L. Slatten on the Independent Artists and Thinkers Network. Thanks for joining us. Come back next week.